Welcome into NHL at the Rink. We're recording this on Thursday. Dan Rosen here, and as always, Sean Rourke to my right. Sean, you're back. You're ready to go. Best time of the year. Right. We got a few. Tr- we got a trade. So yeah. the trade deadline. Well, don't coming. jump the gun. I'm going to get there. Oh, I'm going to get there first. Oh, I wanted to get there. We got a trade. We got an outdoor game. We got the trade deadline. It's a great time to be alive in hockey. Absolutely. And we're going to talk, we're going to go around the league or do a potpourri, shall we say. Sean was saying, can I say the word potpourri? I can say it. So we're going to do a potpourri of things with Brian Compton. And we've also got a pair of Kings defensemen, Sean Walker and Matt Roy, that I sat down with the other day to chat all things Kings, stadium series, their careers. So that's an interesting conversation. But first, and now I'll get to it, we have a trade to announce. Well, there was a trade to announce Wednesday night. And, of course, it involves the Toronto Maple Leafs, so the entire hockey world is talking about it, right? Jack Campbell, the goaltender, Kyle Clifford, the forward from the Los Angeles Kings. They are now members of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Trevor Moore and a couple of draft picks go back to the Los Angeles Kings. What was your take when you saw that trade? It's about time. Yeah. They had to do something. Uh, and their backup goaltending for two years now has not been good. It's been really not good this year cost them you saw last night yeah they get the game against the rangers to 3-2 i'm listening on the radio as i'm driving back to new york and i'm like oh boy here comes toronto they got them now everybody looked a little nervous and then on the next shift hutchinson gives up a goal that you just can't down trying to get his stick not thinking about the puck it was just it was the and they went away and i thought you know keith afterwards said we had nothing after that we were devastated for him for him to say that, either he knew the trade had already been made or <laughs> he was forcing Kyle's he, head. He might have known the trade was already made because, in fact, after the game, and this was so not long after that goal, they had another period to play, but after the game he was asked, is Michael Hutchinson going to start again Friday? And we're, we're talking about this, obviously, because Freddie Anderson has a neck injury and he's on the ice Thursday, today, Thursday, but there's still no real timeline for his return, and that's obviously the reason, the impetus behind all this. They needed a backup goaltender, but now that they've seen or gotten scared, I should say, by the injury, they've gone out and gotten one, but uh, they were devastated by that, and then after the game, Sheldon Keefe was asked if Michael Hutchinson's going to play, so he clearly knew he had a trade because he said, well, we'll have to see what happens with Freddie, and we have a few other things going on. So in comes Jack Campbell, who had a really good year last year with the Los Angeles Kings, not so good this year, a 900 save percentage and a 2.85 goals against average, 8-10-2 record. I don't know what you take from that, though, because the Kings are clearly a team in transition that are struggling this season I think you take from it the two-year average and you say he's an NHL average goalie and I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs will live with an NHL average backup they've been subpar for so long that they've given away points you could argue that not only has it cost them games it's cost them playoff rounds because of where they finished each year they had to play the Bruins right two three points you get from your backup, all of a sudden you got a different matchup. Maybe you're into the second round. So it's an area that needed to be addressed. I don't know if it's the best addressing of that area, but it, it, it's an improvement. Well, one of the things it does, it's almost a wash salary cap-wise because the Kings were able to they, – they got the Kings to retain 50% of Kyle Clifford's cap, and it's a $1.6 million cap hit uh, prorated, obviously. So it, they retained some of that. Campbell – and Trevor Moore or sort of a wash than the draft picks. So it doesn't hurt the Leafs on the cap. And now there's also 
some talk of Cody Cece. Kyle Dubas today said he's going to be out for a while with an ankle injury. He sustained that injury in the third period against the Rangers. And Morgan Riley, they're not going to know about his status as his return from a foot injury until late next week. And is he behind the timeline there? And if so, is he out for the rest of the regular season? Does that open up long-term injured, res- you know, injured reserve money that they could use to acquire players at the deadline? That's potential there for the Leafs. But, but I still think you want Riley in your lineup. You don't want him out. So they're in a real difficult situation, a tenuous situation, injuries on the back end. And we also don't know about their starting goaltender. And I think I would have made that a bigger trade and tried to get Alec Martinez from them. Yeah, I mean, they need a defenseman, even without the injuries. I mean, I don't know that Cody Cece is the answer. Uh, I don't know that Sandine is the answer. You know, he's the latest, greatest hope to come up and, you know, capture the fancy of the Toronto fan base. But I don't know that he's the answer, especially, you know, as you get to crunch time here. So I think they still need a defenseman. But. They have to feel a little bit better about their goaltending. I, I think one of the most interesting things is Kyle Dubas went and got Jack Campbell. He did this once before. Yeah. He did this he did in, in the OHL. In right? the OHL. Yeah. Huge trade. Two players, six draft picks to bring him to the Sioux. Missed the playoffs. Missed the playoffs. And they're a one point behind right now, as we record this, one point behind the Florida Panthers for third place in the Atlantic Division. And they're also two points out of a wild card, if you want to look at it that way. So... They are not in a playoff position right now. And again, and I stress this, that this is the biggest reason that we're talking about this right now, and they needed a backup goalie regardless, but we don't know about Freddie Anderson. If Frederick Anderson is going to miss any extended period of time, they might be cooked regardless of what they do. And because now you're riding Jack Campbell, who, I mean, do you want to ride Jack Campbell down a playoff stretch if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, especially with two defensemen out of the lineup and the way they defend already? He's 28 years old. He has 58 NHL yeah. games. That should t- he was a first-round pick, but this is not a Jordan Binnington story. He's not going to come in and catch fire and run them all the way. If, if Freddie Anderson is hurt significantly, their chances are significantly yeah. hurt. Well, the good thing is he, was on, he, he is on the ice today. Uh, but does that mean he's going to play anytime this weekend? I don't know. Another underrated part of this, though, Kyle Clifford, two-time Stanley Cup champion, brings a little bite to the lineup, doesn't hurt you. He's still a possession guy. He's played that style with the Kings. I like that acquisition for the for the Maple Leafs because I think a little bit too often they're getting pushed around. Kyle Clifford's going to push back. But is it enough, right? And, well, and I mean, start. he's playing fourth-line minutes. I don't know how you're going to use him there. I mean, look, he, he's like all those guys that are key parts of any playoff team. A Benino reminds me of that. Like guys that are going to play physical can do some different things for you. He can move up the lineup. He can score a few goals. I mean, he's had some good offensive years for for the way that he plays. So it does give him some versatility. But I don't know that it's a huge upgrade on Moore. I, I, I just think it was kind well, of Well, I think the experience. Yeah, it, it's a different it's yeah. a different type of player. And it, it, you're right. It does give them something that they don't have. Yeah. Um, but is that who they are? But that's what they need to become a little bit of that. Okay. That's, that's, that, that's my point is that it's not who they are and it's being a big reason why they get pushed around. But you don't dip your toe, your toe in the pool if you're going to do that, right? If you're going to become this sandpapery team, Kyle Clifford's not going to cl- carry you to glory. No, he is not going to carry you to glory, but at least he'll help push. He'll help them in that department better than they already are there. All right. Anyway, let's, let's go off away from Toronto. Let's move 
West in Canada, stay in Canada, the Winnipeg Jets and the Dustin Bufflin situation. Still no clarity there with Dustin Bufflin, who they're trying to negotiate their way out of his contract. Still has this year plus another year left, $7.6 million cap hit for Dustin Bufflin. And they want to get out from under this for obvious reasons. Bufflin's been out all season. The ankle injury really hurt them at the start of the season when he just didn't show up to training camp. And, you know, almost out of a surprise, like, let them know in June if you're not going to be able to go because then they can address the situation in the offseason. He didn't, and their D has obviously been struggling uh, since then. So now they're trying to address the situation. If they're able to get out from under this thing, what do you think the Jets' next move will be? To find a defenseman to add. I mean, we just talked but about this season. You think this season? Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're still they're still in it. They're a team that's two years removed from going to the Western Conference Final. Most of the same players. They might have the best goalie in the league right now in Connor Hellebuck. Uh, he would be on my MVP ballot for what he's done for them. Their defense is a shambles. They have some elite goal scorers, and and the Central and, and the West as a whole are wide open. They're what. Three points? Three points. Three points today. out of a wild card. You're telling me they can't make up three points in the last month and a half? And then if they get in, unless they get in at the eight and half to play St. Louis, um, which I don't like their odds in that, but almost anybody else. You're telling me if the Winnipeg Jets play the Vancouver Canucks in the first round of the playoff, you're telling me the Winnipeg Jets can't win that? Of course they can. Well, they yeah, but here's my thing with this, with the Jets. I, I think if they can make what we constitute a hockey trade, right, get a guy – on the back end with term remaining on his contract beyond this season that they can now have him as part of their defense going forward, it's worth doing. If it's a rental and you have to give up a big piece of your future, I don't know that it's worth doing at this point. They have other issues too. They have injuries. Brian Little is out. Adam Lowry is out. Matthew Perot is out. Those are three important forwards for them. They have a lot of firepower up front. They do, but those are three important forwards for them. Their D one guy, I don't know that one guy is going to make that big of a difference to make this defense that much better. So what I would do, get the clarity on the Bufflin situation, get out from under his cap, reassess at that point. If you can get somebody with term on his contract, do it. If not, wait until the offseason. Don't fire the bullet now. Wait until the offseason, and then you can address your entire defense because Dmitry Kulikov, Nathan Beaulieu, Lucas Pisa, Anthony Potato. All UFAs after the season. So they're going to, and I would guess none of them will be back. So their defense could look a heck of a lot different next year than it does this year. And I just don't, I don't believe that they are legitimate contenders. I would take Spiza back. I really like Lucas Spiza. But here's the more interesting, sexy question, whatever you want to call it. What about Buff? What yeah. happens now? Well, I got to see him. I got to see him on the ice. I got, you know, if I'm a team, I got, I got to see him on the ice a little bit. I got to get some reports on, on is he skating? How does he look? You know, is something, can he play this season? I think it's I don't a think real long shot, you know? I just don't see it. He like, hasn't played all year. No, and, and it's going to take time for him to get up to speed. And then you're right into the playoffs. Yeah. Like, how many times have we seen guys come back? from long-term injury and try and catch up in the playoffs. It's almost impossible. It's, and and for Buff to catch up, it takes even a little harder. longer. I like it. It takes a little longer. He, he is a terrific – he's never been a fitness freak, but he's a terrific player. He's sort of a savant defenseman. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's an unbelievable defenseman in that sense is the way he plays. But if he's been out all season and if he's – I don't even know if he's skating yeah. right now. So how can we – even look at this and say, 
well, he could help a team as an acquisition before the deadline when you don't even know what he's capable of doing right now. So that's a difficult I, – I wouldn't rely on that at all. It's an ankle injury, and skating is not his strong suit. Right. Anyways. <laughs> exactly. So, And it's a speed league even more than it was when he left. So uh, you would have to be pretty desperate as a GM to say – Hey, Buff's a free agent. I'm going to go get him. Maybe you go get him and you try and sign him if you think he's going to be good for next year But and you want to get ahead of that curve and you don't really count on him, but I don't see him helping anybody this year. No, so we'll hopefully get some clarity on the on the Bufflin and Jets situation uh, as soon as possible, but certainly hopefully by next week. We'll get some clarity on the New York Islanders and some other teams around the league right now. We're going to go to our first guest, Brian Compton, covers the Islanders for us at NHL.com, does a lot of things around the league. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Uh, we're good. I'm good. Sean, you good? Always good. Always good. Okay. <laughs> All right. You are now Lou Lamarillo, Brian. No, you, I'm not. Yes, I am you never are. Lou Lamarillo. You are Lou Lamarillo right now. Can he be Lou Lamarillo, Sean? Sure. All right. He's Lou Lamarillo. What do you do with the New York Islanders before the trade deadline and why, Mr. Well, Lamarillo? Yeah. Look, I mean, the fans on, on my Twitter feed are always screaming for a quote-unquote sniper. There's no sniper out there. At least I don't think there is. I mean, a guy like Tyler Toffoli can certainly help them. What about Kovalchuk? Uh, you know what? I, I, that would be a weird move for me because they could have gotten him a, a while back, right? So now you're going to trade a, a bigger asset to get him now. I, I just don't see that happening. Um, but he's we'll proven himself. No, look, there's no doubt that he can help them offensively. Uh, but just the timing of it would be a little perplexing for me. Um, I've been saying this for a few months. I think Pajot is the guy that they need the most. Um, Derek Broussard just simply hasn't worked out in the middle. He's helped them on the wing when Barry Trotz has put him there. Um, but they've never properly replaced Valfopoulos since he left as a, as a free agent last year. Um, you know, Pajot's having a career year offensively. I know he's got, what, two goals in the last 13 games or so, so he's kind of slowed down in, the, in that aspect. But he wins faceoffs. He was fantastic for Ottawa in the playoffs a few years back. Uh, he would alleviate so much pressure off a guy like Casey Zizekas on the penalty kill. He can play in all facets of, of the game for sure. Um, Pajot's the guy for me. It's just a question of how much are they willing to give up. Uh, would they consider a first-round pick? That To me, that's an overpay. Um, but when you sign Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, and Jordan Everly to long-term contracts like we did last summer, uh, you're in it to win now, so we'll see. We'll see what Lou does here over the next 18 days or so. I don't think it's an overpay. Uh, look, you you just said they need to they need to be better. They clearly yeah. need to be better. They're still living off of the hubris of their fast start. They have not been very good for the last month and a half to two months. They're starting to slide out of a playoff place, and and I think Pajot, I think the trade deadline's starting to wear on them, and and I think that's part of where the slump comes from. I think if you're Lou Lamarillo, which you are. You have to gamble. <laughs> you have to gamble that this drop in performance is a blip, right? Yeah, Compared to with, what I'm what it has you, been. Sean, I think last year when Lou didn't make a trade at the deadline, I think the players took it as a compliment and they kind of fed off of it. Um, for me, and something's just been missing here for the last month, month and a half, and I think they need a jolt. Look, losing Adam Pellick was a huge blow. There's no denying that. Obviously, Cal Clutterbuck has been out since right before Christmas. Um, but you can't use that as a crutch, not with the way the Penguins have played. Uh, there's been injuries across the whole league this year, so and they know that, and they won't use that as an excuse. 
but I think now is the time to, to kind of go for it here and show the fan base that you're in it to win it. But but which team are they? Are they that early season team, or are they the team that since if the season started on December 1st would be out of the playoffs? They have the 17th best record since December 1st, and they have a negative goal differential. They're a completely think, different team. They're somewhere in the middle. They're not nearly – I don't think they're as good as they were during that stretch, and I don't think that they're as mediocre as they've been since – since the point streak ended. They're right. somewhere in the middle. So let's back up. Number one, a first-round pick for Pajot would be an overpay. That That's too much to give up for Jean-Gabriel Pajot, especially when that first-round pick is not guaranteed to be, you know, a, a team uh, coming from a, a team that goes to the playoffs. That's number one. It's too much to give up for him. But you brought up Adam Pellick, and, yeah, we, we know they need offense, but don't they have to replace – this guy as well, he's not coming back this season. They've got Noah Dobson, a rookie, playing probably, what, about 12 and a half, 13 minutes a night. It's taxing everybody else for the way yep. they play. Don't they need to upgrade in that position as well? Yeah, they do, and that, that's the other thing too, Dan. You're barely seeing Noah Dobson in the third period in any of these games, so you're right. They're overtaxing their top four for sure, and I think I think Lou's going to be in the market for one of those guys, whether it's Ron Hainsey who played for him, uh, in Toronto during Lou's last year at the gym with, with the Leafs. Uh, Brendan Dillon, who I think could, could help him immensely. Does Andy Green wave his no trade to, to go for a chance to win? Maybe. Um, but I certainly think that, that that's another position where Lou's going to operate here before February 24th. Wow, you got a lot of work to do in the next two and a half weeks. Yeah, Mr. Lamarillo. You, you knew work that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, switch it over to the other team in New York, Chris Kreider. I mean, we saw how night and day it is for the Rangers. Monday they didn't have him, and they looked slow, and they were beaten by Dallas. Wednesday they have him. They looked fast. He was terrific, and they beat Toronto. Granted, Michael Hutchinson helped them out in that game. But uh, what do you think happens with Kreider and, and the situation he's in? Because you brought up a first-round, Sean, I think, or you brought up, Brian, the first-round pick um, for Pajot, and is it too much? I think Kreider's the only one, if he's traded on the rental market, that, could, that, that is realistically should fetch a first-round pick. Yeah, that's fair. And I tweeted this last night, Dad. How is it that this guy has never scored 30 goals? I mean, uh, to, to me, he should do this year in and year out with his eyes closed. He just has every tool in the book, right? Like, he's enormous. Uh, he's got great hands. He's fast. It's baffling to me. Um, I certainly think he's going to get moved here. I, I would imagine the Bruins or the Blues are probably the top two destinations, right? Just Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's just the most realistic thing. Um, I, I imagine he's going to get somewhere between, what, 6 and $7 million come July 1 from somebody. Uh, that's probably a little bit too much for Jeff Gordon, who, you know, this rebuild is still ongoing. So uh, he's a dynamite player, boy, and he's got to score 30 goals one yeah. of these because he just has all the tools to do it. See, Brian, I, I, wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be so sure he's going to get moved. I was going to okay. say, don't, yeah. don't the Rangers need a dynamite player? Absolutely, and they cannot continue to keep trading veteran players for younger players and or prospects because if you keep doing that or draft picks you're going to be rebuilding for a decade you eventually have to keep some guys and it, it the two games couldn't be the starker difference between those two games couldn't it, it's unbelievable the way it was against Dallas and the way it was against Toronto they need him 
and he is playing at a level I haven't seen Chris Kreider play at right now. Can you? The question is, can you get Chris Kreider to sign a five or a six year contract, even if it is six or seven million a year, rather than a seven or an eight year contract? Because that might be the difference. There are ways around it for the Rangers uh, to free up the space to sign Kreider and, and be able to go in, but th- they need a player like this. They need him. Well- I mean, you would know better than me. I guess it depends on how badly does he want to stay, right? And 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 is he willing to take less money to stay in New York? Because you know this. I mean, if he hits July first, teams are going to line up, and he's always overpay uh, when the market opens. So it's obviously something the Rangers and, and Chris have to consider together. Would he come back? Nah, it never happens, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't think don't, so. Ned, not uh, never happens. It's once right. a guy tastes free agency and he gets to interview with some teams and he sees what's out there for him. What are the odds that he's going to come back to the team that just traded him, the team that maybe wants him? Uh, you know, the Rangers could get him. Theoretically, the Rangers should be able to get him for a little bit less now than they would be able to get him on July first. Guys, the, the one caveat that I would throw in is that if the teams like Boston and St. Louis uh, really want to get him, and Jeff Gordon sends out that email that he's listening to offers. Uh, it might be just too much to pass up as badly as, as they need Chris Kreider. And you're right, Dan, they certainly do. Uh, but th- it just might be too much to pass up, you know? Yeah, and the one other point I would make with the Kreider situation, if the Rangers are going to trade him, I don't think they can just trade him for a first-round pick and a prospect. Right. Y- you need right. to get a player back who you can put in your lineup right away. Or, you know, like the Blues have guys who are blocked by a good by good players right now, right? Sure. So sure. They, they, you want to push this what – we're still calling a rebuild ahead. You can't continue just to get guys who might not be playing for you in, in t- uh, for another two years. Well, Fair enough. And you know Gordon better than either one of us do. Does that make the Blues the front runner because he doesn't want to keep him in the Eastern Conference? Well, it's possible. I don't know that. Yeah. That's, I, I don't know uh, how they think along those lines. I think the Blues could be a front runner just simply because they have guys who are being blocked by better players like Jordan Cairo, Clint Costin, those types of players who are NHL players, just not able to play within that lineup right now by the roles that they want to play well i'll tell you i'll tell you one team that doesn't have any of these problems right now it's the tampa bay lightning maybe the best team in hockey right now you could argue the pittsburgh penguins uh might be a little bit better which i did argue in uh the super 16 this week which i've been roundly mocked already on twitter by dan (laughs) rosen um but i'm gonna stand by my guns but that tampa bay team i don't know that they need anything yeah, I'm with you. I think that there, it took a long time for them to get over what happened last year. Um, that that was such a tough blow after the ridiculous regular season that they had. And you just knew that sooner or later that they were going to figure it out. There is way too much talent for them to miss the playoffs. And now here they are looking a lot more like the team they were last year. Uh, you know, is Andre Vasilevsky going to be the guy? Is he going to figure it out in the playoffs? Um, I'm leaning towards yes, but we won't know until we get there. But certainly they're probably on, uh, on all, all cylinders right now, for the, sure. The stats are, are incredibly different. I mean, you look at what they are in their last 19 games. They're 16-2-1. They have a plus 36 goal differential. In their first 34 games, they had a plus 7 goal differential. Their penalty kill is almost 90% in the last 19 games. It was 80% or 80.7% in the first 34 games. I think you're right, Brian. I think it just took them some time to get over it, to figure it out, uh, just to figure out what their identity should be this season and not just try to be what they were last season. I mean, look, it, you'd never, it sounds ridiculous, but it would be a bad idea to win 62 games and have everything wrapped up by Valentine's Day, but... 
it's hard to flip that switch come April, right? I mean, if you're the top seed in the conference and the league, which they were last year, and you're playing the bottom seed in the playoffs, that bottom seed has been playing playoff hockey for two or three months already, minimum, right? So um, I think it's going to benefit them that they've kind of had the season that they've had this year where they've had to fight for playoff position and they've had to fight for home ice. I think it's going to benefit them come April. And to get to your point, what's different? I think there's two things that are different. One is Vasilevsky. He was okay at the beginning of the year. He's lights out. He's 13-0-1 in his last 14 appearances, and he's got a 192 goals against average. The only player that's better than him with 10, more than 10 starts is Elvis and Columbus, and look at where they are. And I think the other thing is Cooper finally threw everything together and said, you know what, I'm going with my big line. I'm yeah. putting it back together, and I'm going to let him run. And everything's fallen in place behind that. That big line's carried him to – the goal differential that you talked about and the the Sorelli line behind it has played well too. I, I think those are the, I think that's the way the Tampa players want to play. And I think when they were given that opportunity again, they said we're not going to miss it this time. Do you guys think that they are? And Sean, I guess you don't because you picked Pittsburgh to be number one in your Super Sixteen. I, I guess I don't because I had Washington. But are they on the verge of becoming the best team in the Eastern Conference right now? I can't. I can't until the Bruins take somewhat of a dip, which to me they're not going to. I can't go there. Uh, but I think the Lightning are going to be obviously a, a much more, like I was alluding to earlier, a much more dangerous playoff opponent this time around. You know what blows me away? We just talked about how good Tampa is since December 1st. They've gained six points in 19 games on the Bruins. Yeah, they, they have 19 games left, and they're seven points behind the Bruins. So even if they played at the same rate they played right now, since December 1st, they can't catch the Bruins. That's how good the Bruins have played. And what if the Bruins get Kreider? I mean, how do the, how do the Lightning beat them in a best of seven? It's going to be tough. We'll see. All right, so I wanted to ask you, I think I asked you before we started recording, this is the same question. Is there a team now that's sort of lying in the weeds that you're high on? You know, I got to see them firsthand the other day in Brooklyn. I love Vancouver. I think that they're going to be a really dangerous team come playoff time, especially if they win that division and get home ice fellas. I mean, that barn is going to be off the charts. Uh, finally getting to watch the Canucks in the playoffs for the first time in, in five years. It's, it's going to be rocking, man. And all those guys are young. They're going to be playing carefree come playoff time. I think Travis Green is a really good coach. Uh, they've got to get the shots down a little bit. Jacob Markstrom is facing 35 shots almost every night, at least in his last four or five games. If they can figure that out, they're going to be really dangerous in the playoffs. That Bruin game this week scares the hell out of me. I know it's a long road trip. I know they went into Boston on, after some tough travel. That was men against boys. Uh, I mean, they were they were checked into submission. They never had a chance in that game, and that's what they're going to face in playoff hockey from whoever they play. So yeah. I, I like the Canucks too, but I think, you know, you talk about them playing loose. Nobody's going to let them play loose in the playoffs. They need to play a playoff-style game, and until I see them do that against the top team, I, I think I'm going to hold my reservations a little bit. What do you think, Danny? Well, I think Sean's point is – the right point i think it makes sense but i don't think there's a team in the pacific division that's going to do that against them um boston is at an elite level i don't see the edmonton oilers or the calgary flames or even the arizona coyotes or the vegas golden knights being able to check them into submission the way boston was able to do so if they're able to win that division i think or you know even just finishing the top three in that division I think that they have a legitimate chance to get out of the first round, to get their game going uh, in the right way, and maybe even get beyond that before like a team like the Blues would, or Dallas would certainly try to check them into submission. But, but 
not those teams in the Pacific Division. And they've got so much balance. I mean, they have six guys with at least 15 goals. I mean, it's not just Elias Pettersson and Bora Hovat, right? Like, Jake Vertanen has 15 goals. They, they have so much balance, and Quinn Hughes, is, he's really evolved into one of the top young players in the league. I mean, he's so much fun to watch. He's not afraid to throw the puck towards the net. Uh, again, I, I wouldn't want to play them, at least in the first round. That barn's going to be off the, off the hook for sure. But nobody on that team, except for J.T. Miller, Really, has. who's been fantastic? Who's been great for them? One of the best yeah. trades of the year. But who there has experience playing in a road playoff game when yeah. when things are going to go crazy? Like I Travis think, Green. I think that yeah, <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, he can no longer lace him up and get out there. Um, and and maybe some of those guys like I don't know that Patterson would be phased by it. I don't know yeah. that Quinn Hughes would be phased by it. I, I mean, I think right now he's probably the rookie of the year, but. You don't know until you do it, and and those are the things that scare me about that Vancouver team. Having a great season, probably one of the most fun teams to watch in the league right yeah. now, but I, I don't know that either one of those buys you anything in the playoffs. We won't know until we get there, that's for sure. Brian, last one for you. I wanted to circle back to the team you see the most, the New York Islanders. Okay, so they're in this position now. First wild card right now as we record it, but you know Carolina is not in a playoff position. Toronto, not in a playoff position right now. they just got a one-point edge on Philadelphia. In the end, where do you think the Islanders do end up? I mean, do you think that they are good enough to jump into a top three spot, get over Columbus into that top three spot, or are they really in a struggle here? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's going to be t- I still think that they'll finish third when push comes to shove, but the month of March for them is pretty brutal. I mean, if you guys look at the schedule, they still have some really tough road games ahead of them, some tough trips. Um, but I think that, you know, they're going to get better goaltending along the way here. Voloma from Grice has kind of had a hiccup the past month. I think that'll be- that, that'll change here going down the stretch. Um, but like I was alluding to earlier, they, they need a jolt here, fellas. they got to bring in another body. Uh, certainly, whether they get Peugeot or not, on that blue line like you were talking about earlier, Dan, they need another defenseman, uh, a veteran defenseman who can alleviate some pressure off a kid like Noah Dobson. Well, you're Lou Lamarillo, so go out and get it. Right? <laughs> it's going to be hot. <laughs> I was waiting for the impersonation. <laughs> he got it. He got it. You're almost as you're almost as good as the wicked smart parking commercial. <laughs> All right, Brian, appreciate your time. Thanks so much, man. Okay. Anytime, boys. Thanks for having me. You can follow Brian on Twitter at BCompTonNHL. And, Sean, we're going to go back up to Canada where we spent the first portion of this podcast. The Calgary Flames, Mark Giordano, MRI on Wednesday. It's a hamstring injury. Brad Treliving, their general manager today, said they think they dodged a bullet with this. He got hurt uh, taking a one-timer in the right circle of Calgary's 31 loss against the Sharks on Tuesday. They don't think it's anything serious, but he's out at least a week and likely in that week-to-week range here. A week with Mark Giordano? Serious. Five games. They play five games in the next week. That's just a shade under 20% of the remaining schedule for the Flames. It's serious, but I will say it looked much worse. Oh, you did. You were starting to make contingency plans and say, oh, my God, what are they going to do? If they can get him back in a week or even two weeks... They're Still they're okay. five to eight games, you know, and I know they're okay because then you have them in the twenty game stretch down the run here. I, I, you have them for the last quarter. I get it, but do you think? And I do wonder, like you, you know, you're making contingency plans, sort of like you know the injury to Freddie Anderson. You know, they're talking about it. They're talking about trying to get a backup goalie, and it almost scares you into action, right? Does the Giordano injury scare Brad Trilliving into action? Scare the Flames into action to? Build up that depth on the blue line. 
Maybe, but I think it's a different situation, right? I think when you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs in the Atlantic Division, it's complete domination. They lose a couple of games, and they're in a huge amount of trouble with right. the teams that are ahead True. of them. True, yes. Right? And it's not that way in the Pacific. Everybody's within three points of each other. So even if you lose four points while he's out, you can still climb back into the race. I don't think anybody's going to run away and hide with those top three spots in the Pacific. I think the last week of the season, we're still going to be talking about five teams trying to squeeze into three spots. And you know, then you roll the dice and say, can we win the two games we need to win to get in? And now you bring me right to the next point I wanted to make because the other three teams in the Pacific don't look like they're going to climb up right now. And those are all the California teams, the San Jose Sharks, the Los Angeles Kings, and the Anaheim Ducks. We could have our first playoffs, first Stanley Cup playoffs without a California team since 1995-96. Isn't that crazy? Man, do I miss going to L.A. in the spring. <laughs> right? L.A., Anaheim, San Jose. These I know. teams dominated for so long. Like the Ducks won the Cup in 07, the Kings in 2012 and 2014. Sharks got to the Stanley Cup final after that. I mean, they And then went to, a, went to a Western Conference yeah. final after that. But that's the NHL now, right? I yeah. mean, the, the bottom can fall out so quickly if you don't plan ahead or if you mortgage your future to win, right? And, and for Kings or Ducks fans to be like, oh, we don't want to be here. You got some pretty good hardware. Yeah. To, oh, to, to kind of figure it out. Uh, it's a little tougher for the Sharks because they couldn't get over the hump. Yeah. And and it looks like there might be a little bit of long-term pain there. Um, but I don't know that the NHL is as good if there's nobody from California in the playoffs. I think that's a huge part of it's a huge part of the postseason. It's a huge part of that whole process and has been for so long. But the beauty of it is now you get to open it up to other teams. Yeah. Maybe Arizona gets in. Mm-hmm. I went in 2011. I was at the Western Conference Final when they played the Kings. 12. Through the, yeah, 12, 12, 12 sorry. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome hockey. That building was rocking. Like if they could get back into the playoffs, fantastic. Now you have Vegas. They're not California, but they're close. So <laughs> you, you, you still kind of have that West Coast presence, but – yeah, it's different when there's no Cali uh, representation. Well, and Vancouver could get back in, too. So that opens up a little bit on the Pacific side. But of the three teams in California, I wonder if the Kings are the best situated right now. They seem to be have started. The Ducks have a lot of young guys, but none of them are really taking that next step this season, I think, the way they want to. The Kings are starting their rebuild a little bit. Uh, you're seeing things as you know from them. I, I think they may be in in a situation where it won't take them as long as some other teams would. Except the problem is when they get there, they got goalie issues. Well, that's... I don't know how long Jonathan Quick is, is going to be able to carry a team um, as it gets better. Um, you know, they have Picard down on the yeah. farm. Cal Peterson. Uh, Cal Peterson. Yeah. That's who I meant. That's who you meant. Cal Peterson. And He's uh, up now because they traded Jack Campbell. Yeah. So is he the guy that can kind of make that bridge? But look, they're... The, they're going to get better because they're going to get some prospects and they're mm-hmm. going to get some draft picks because they're going to trade the trade deadline in two and a half weeks. There's still players that they need to move or want to move. Um, and like I said, I think San Jose has got the longest road out of all of them to kind of yeah. figure out how to get back. Well, the Kings are also playing in the stadium series game next week against the Colorado Avalanche in Colorado Springs at the Air Force Academy. And two players that they do have who are promising for them, defenseman Matt Roy and Sean Walker, 24-year-old right-handed defenseman playing behind Drew Doughty on the right side of their D. They stopped by the NHL office on Wednesday. I was able to sit down with the two of them, and here's that interview. All right, Matt, Sean, thank you so much uh, for sitting down with us today. So 
I'll throw it out there to both of you guys. You got the Stadium Series game coming up, Colorado Springs outdoor game, outdoor experience. Maybe one of you played an outdoor game in college, right? I mean, what's your outdoor experience like in terms of meaningful, impactful games? Um, I've played an outdoor game, I was saying earlier, uh, but it was raining the whole time. Okay. So was it, it wasn't Bowling green? green. It was at Bowling Green. Right. Yeah, we did it at uh, the Toledo Mud Hens okay. baseball stadium. Yes. So it was good. I mean, we had a decent crowd and family and friends and a bunch of people from the school and stuff, but... Uh, yeah, it was raining. It was, so raining. it was tough ice conditions. Gear was soaked, uh, <laughs> but it was it was cool. Still fun, but uh, hopefully could get some cold yeah, weather. Cold, some cold weather, a little snow. What about you, Matt? Any? Uh, I've only played one outdoor game that was at the big house uh, with my midget team. So right. <laughs> it was. Uh, I think we were just playing on it like the week before all the other teams were going to play on okay. it. Okay, and. Uh, I just remember this big, giant, empty stadium on a freezing cold day. On a freezing cold day. Yeah, but it was, it was pretty fun. What was that like when you looked up? I mean, there's, there's 105,000 people not there. Yeah, so. it's, yeah it, was, it wasn't as cool as uh, the, the Red Wings Toronto game, but um, it, was, it was still pretty cool to be a part of something like that. And what are you guys looking forward to? Matt, I'll start with you. What are, what are you looking forward to in terms of this experience now? Which is a unique experience. You don't always get to play a an outdoor game, but b you know at a military academy. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for everything about it. Like um, playing at Air Force, I think that in itself will be pretty cool, and um, just the overall environment and the atmosphere and the excitement around it, the new uniforms and just everything about it i'm, I'm excited for what about you sean yeah. Yeah, uh, similar what, answer what i'd matt imagine said. <laughs> yeah what matt yeah. said right uh it'll be fun obviously anytime you get to do something that's a little different than what you're used to is going to be yeah. pretty exciting when you guys have watched the outdoor games that the nhl has put on has anything stood out to you like what can't you wait for what are you really looking forward to some i've asked this question a few people and they're like oh well walking out you know that that walk out into the stadium is one of the coolest things that i i can't wait to experience that what about anything for you two yeah, I think walking out's a good point. I think just the the atmosphere, the different difference from being in a an arena an arena enclosed compared to going to a open yeah open area is going to be pretty uh, pretty different. So it should be fun. What about you, Matt? Uh, I mean, same thing. But uh, <laughs> I, don't know. I think there. it'll be I think it'll be cool <laughs> just having that cold air on your face, and you know sometimes the arenas can actually get pretty hot. So I think it'll just be different and unique to have maybe get the really eye, cold the eye black going the eye black yeah, you gotta so have the style just going, something right? like that yeah you know, kind of sure. like you gotta have a little style outside it's been it i mean obviously we know the kings are a bit of a team in transition now as you guys uh certainly know very well is this game something has it provided you guys something to really look forward to in a, in a season that maybe hasn't gone according to your the, the plan so far yeah you know i think it's something that we're looking forward to our family members are looking forward to friends are looking forward to it's something that um, you know, some people maybe never are going to get to experience, yeah. but luckily enough, we're going to be able to play in this one this year. So it's definitely something cool, and I'm happy that the league is putting more these games in. So I think it's good. So here I, I'm sitting in front of two guys, 24 years old defensemen, both righties, and you guys are playing like you're going to be a part of these. The Kings obviously present, but but future. And when I said it before, the team is in transition. What does that mean to you guys right now when you're standing with the team and where do you think this can go? How quickly can this proceed? Matt, I'll start with you. Um, I mean, 
I think as of right now, I mean, we go into every game expecting to win. So, you know, in, in our heads, we're not necessarily rebuilding. You know, we think that we're capable of winning games and all that. Um, but, I mean, I think as far as the future goes, I mean, we're just kind of here doing what we can today, and, and hopefully, you know, we'll be here tomorrow. It's it's that kind of thing for yeah. us right now. Do you get a sense, Sean, of the that you may be closer than people may think you yeah. guys are? Yeah. Um, you know, it was funny. Todd gave us a stat the other day. I think at the time it was we had 21 goal games and we had lost 14, 14 of them. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, since then we've probably had three or four more. And uh, for the most part it kind of feels like we've almost been winning most of those games and then kind of late into the game the other mm-hmm. teams come back. So, you know, I think I wouldn't call it so much as a rebuild. I think we're I think we are pretty close. I think if we can just figure out a couple of things, uh, it could be turned around yeah. pretty quick. And I joked when we before we started that you guys look alike, <laughs> right? And and Sean, you said I, I, you get that all the time. It, you guys are the same age, same position, shoot the same way. What is it like coming up together? I mean, is it is it nice to have somebody next to you going through the same type of thing yeah. that you're going through? Um, unfortunately, we get told we look <laughs> told we look like a, a little too much and. <laughs> Uh, get mistaken for each other, but uh, it's been great. Uh, we both kind of took the exact same path. Both played college in the same conference. We we joke all the time. We played against each other. Matt beat me in my final game, or mm-hmm. both our final games. Uh, both. Our yeah. Final well, games. we had one more because oh, we won that game. Because you had won that game. Yeah. <laughs> Not a big deal. But it uh, was, was a subtle jab right there. Yeah. By the way, well, you just threw it in there. Oh, we had one more. I got to throw uh, jabs at walks whenever I can. <laughs> But yeah, then came to Ontario together and kind of both uh, got our opportunities last yeah. year to come up with the Kings and stuff, and we both want each other to succeed and to do it together has been pretty good. All right, so tell us something that fans, listeners would have no idea about Matt. Sean, tell me something that, about Matt that, that that hasn't gotten out there yet. Um, he makes a great white chicken chili. All right. Mm. I do. You do? <laughs> yes. I do. You do? All right. A white chicken chili. And is there anything else? Anything Anything? maybe a little juicier? Um, <laughs> he's a clean freak, but that's a good thing. That's we were, a good we thing. were roommates. You were roommates? Yeah. Um, All right. As he freezes, tell good. us something about that's him. pretty good. Uh, I've never seen anyone love Chipotle more <laughs> than Sean Walker. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. All right. That's something. Something. I've never seen someone wake up in the morning and watch the news like this guy. You'll wake up hours before everybody else just to have a coffee and watch the news. All right. He's an old man. You're an old man. Yeah, yeah. You're a news hound. We like that. I'm updated. You're updated. (laughs) I was gonna. I said before we started, I would like to just see you guys interview yourselves. I think you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. So ask. Let's see. Let's let's see if you could interview. I was I was gonna just ask you what what you're looking forward to most this summer. Um, this summer. It's kind of an easy one. Yeah, I, I guess I'm getting married. Oh, so you guess? Yeah. <laughs> if all goes to plan, I'm going to be getting married in July. So all right. I am no excited shot, no for that. Shotgun? <laughs> no shotgun. <laughs> no, no shotgun. <laughs> no shotgun wedding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be back home in Plymouth. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be great seeing all my friends and family there. Um, yeah. Question for you. Hey, you got a question for Sean? Are you going on any other any exotic trips this summer, like last one? Um, so I feel as though you guys are asking these questions, and you know the answers, by the way. <laughs> uh, we haven't talked about this actually, but I I do have 
some plans. Um, gonna try and go to Pebble Beach, actually. All right. And we'll see if you make the cut. Play it. <laughs> Play it. All right. Hopefully. Um, and then Tay and I are talking about going to Thailand. Nice. So we'll see if we do that. But but uh, yeah, right. Thailand. Thailand. So you guys have some plan. summers planned. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah I mean, any 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 honeymoon planned? Yeah, we're going to St. Lucia. All right. Nice. Down in the Caribbean. So that's not a big deal. Not, it's a lot of stuff <laughs> to look forward to. I, I, I wanted to look back, though, because your paths, you know, I mean, Sean, undrafted. You were, what, uh, sixth round pick? Seventh. Seventh yeah. round pick. <laughs> so I was, I, was, I was being generous. Seventh round pick. Speak to, speak to me about what it was like to try to, to, to – did you really – did you legitimately think you could make the NHL? You know, you're an undrafted, you sign an, a, an AHL-only contract. Mm-hmm. You're a seventh-round pick. Did you think you'd be sitting in the NHL today, I mean, uh, realistically? Um, I mean, yes and no. I think it took me until uh, after my first development camp. Um, I didn't necessarily think that I was going to make the NHL when I went, but I started thinking to myself that I had the ability to play against a lot of these other guys mm-hmm. that were getting drafted and signing contracts. So then I just kind of, my confidence kind of built up. And then a year or two later, uh, after I, I signed my contract, I, I was really hopeful and uh, you know, I was really excited. I thought I had a good opportunity. So that it, was kind of when it really hit me. It was, you could see that you were at that level, right? I mean, like when you were playing, you could, you get confidence because even people look at the difference between a, a second round pick and a seventh round pick. It's, it, it could be huge, but it's really not. It's sort of like, you know, a last place team and a first place team in the National Hockey League, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I think it, a lot of it is uh, media attention and mm-hmm. just kind of the the hype around certain players. Which you know, de- there's some players that definitely deserve it, but um, I think just as a whole, you know, as a group at the camps and all that, I think there's not much difference between a lot yeah. of the players. And what I mean, undrafted. How mm-hmm. how did the you know speak to me about um, your confidence when you signed an AHL only deal? Yeah, for sure. Um, to be honest, it was kind of just going through college, playing. Um, had a couple good years, and then it was kind of I started to realize, started to look around the leagues, see who was getting contracts yeah. and stuff, and compare yourself to those guys, and you think, well, what's the difference between him and I? Mm-hmm. So just kind of kept playing, and then luckily got the opportunity with Ontario, and uh, I couldn't be more happy to have gotten the op- opportunity coming out of college because uh, you at that time there was lots of guys just getting East Coast yeah. contracts. So for me to get that opportunity to go play in Ontario was awesome, and then had a good year and then uh they offered me an nhl contract and then things just kind of took off from there uh again started good uh was selected as an nhl all-star and then you know that was kind of at that point throughout the beginning of that year i felt really good and i was playing good and stuff and then i got my first call Mm -hmm. up and from then on it was just kind of confident and matt i read early this season very early this season i was reading a story about you that it was a struggle first three four games and you had a you had a heart-to-heart with Todd McClellan and explain that I mean what what did that do for you what what changed about you and about your game after just a handful of games in the in this early this season yeah I mean uh the first road trip was uh not my best hockey I think personally and uh Todd also thought that way so (laughs) and I'm sure let you know about it (laughs) yeah so uh when we got back to LA uh he pulled me into his office and uh basically just 
told me what he thought and uh you know I'm, I'm glad he did it so uh, everyone was on the same page and uh he kind of told me what he expected from me and uh told me what what i could do better and uh i think our next game was against nashville and i just kind of focused in on everything that he told me and from uh, from there on out i just kind of tried to build on it and uh you know luckily for me my game just yeah. slowly improved from there do you guys feel like you found a comfort level as nhl players or is it still too soon I'd say so, yeah. I mean, I think last year for both of us, probably the first, I think probably after your first 10, 15, yeah. 20 games, you kind of settle in. Um, and then coming into this year, you just bring the confidence from last year. So you, as long as you feel like you belong and you're playing playing good hockey, it's it's kind of yeah. easy. I mean, now you're playing about, what, 17, 18, 19, 20 minutes a night, playing yep. every game. So mm-hmm. there's got to be that confidence that they keep putting you out there. You keep doing the you must be doing something right, yeah. right? Yeah, I <laughs> hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to. Yeah. Uh, last one for you. Obviously, you know, there's another righty on your team, defenseman Drew, mm-hmm. Drew Doughty. What have you guys taken from Drew Doughty? Uh, what have you learned just from being in the room with him, uh, hanging with him, playing with him? What what is what have you gained from just being around a guy who's had, obviously, a, a terrific career to, to date? Oh, man. Um, well, yeah, he's obviously – one of the best players in the Kings organization. And um, I think for me, it's just, he just seems to have fun all the time. And I think that's what makes him such a great player. You know, he doesn't overthink things too much, which for me, you know, I tend to overthink things a lot. You know, I don't want to make any mistakes out there, but mistakes are going to happen. And I think uh, if you're just kind of loose a little mm-hmm. bit and, you know, you're not too worried about things, then you're going to play your best. What about yeah, you, Sean? yeah, I'd say, again, his confidence that he goes into every game with and, um, you know, his consistent play, you kind of, you know what you're going to get from Drew every night. You know, he's going to be a competitor out there. He's going to be in, in on the offense and he's going to be a force defensively as well. So to watch him do that and try to not so much imitate, but have kind of the same confidence or just willingness to know that you can go out there and play and do it and try to bring that to your own game is, is nice. Definitely thank Matt and Sean for stopping by and sitting down and chatting. Uh, all things Kings and Stadium Series. I'm excited, Sean, to get out there. I love the outdoor games. We've talked about that. You're going early, right? You're going Tuesday? Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday you're going out to Colorado Springs or Denver first and then Colorado Springs. I'm getting out there on Thursday. The game is Saturday at Air Force Academy. I loved the game at Navy when the Capitals played the Maple Leafs, and I think it's going to have a similar vibe to that one. I think it's going to be even better. Part of the reason it's going to be even better is because Air Force always wants to beat Navy and Army. Yeah. So they're going to try and do it better. But the thing I love about those games, like the Navy game, they built the rink right on top of the aircraft carrier. They had the faux aircraft carrier. That was good enough. But then they went and found the midshipmen (laughs) and put them on the rails like you're coming into port. My dad's a Navy man. When he saw that, he's like, that was perfect. Like, that's how you come into and leave port. Like, it's those little details. So I can't wait to see what they do at Air Force Academy. And Gary Bettman has already said that they're going to have the greatest flyover of all time. How can you not? You have to. But it's interesting to these teams that are playing there. So we touched on the Kings, obviously, with the two defensemen, and it. Will Tyler Toffoli or Alec Martinez, Trevor Lewis, Ben Hutton, some of their players, will they even be in that game? Because they're clearly in a selling position right now. But the Avalanche need to be in a buying position. They have been in a playoff position for a while here, but seems like they've sort of been middling in that playoff position, just hanging around. And teams like Nashville and Winnipeg and Minnesota and Chicago have not been able to jump up and take it from them, but it's not like they're running away with it either. 
No, they've they've been a little bit over a 500 team, very much like the Islanders right. we talked about with Brian earlier. Since December 1st, I, I think they're two games over 500. They went from being a dominant team to being one of those middle-of-the-pack teams that needs to survive here. And, and who cares about it being outdoors at the base of the mountains and everything else that's going to go with it? They need these two points. They definitely – well, obviously, they need it more than the Kings do. There's no yeah. question about that. Yeah, the Kings <laughs> might not need it at all. Right. they get a better draft <laughs> position. But they need it, and, and they need to find some guys, right, yeah. that are going to help them. McKinnon has 73 points. The next closest guy is uh, Burakovsky with 39. Who is on fire, by yeah. the way. And Kale McCarr with 38. Yeah. Like, those are the next two – that's well, Ranton and missed time. Landis Gog missed time. So uh, let's not be unfair to them. They did miss a handful of games. So they probably would be up there as well. But to your point, I agree with it. They are still heavily reliant on one line or a couple of players and still in the need for some depth up front and on the back end too. Although I love watching their young D between McCarr and, and Gerard. Uh, yeah, they're good. Like yeah. just – so exciting to watch and they need their goaltenders to be better they need their goalies to be who they were early in the season so bednar has a lot of questions yeah to and, answer and joe sackick's got questions he's got he's got moves to make too so that will be interesting to see will they even look the same will the will there be an addition for the avalanche or a subtraction for the kings by the time at least i get out there uh, a week from now so i'm looking forward to that what will what do you think well i think rob blake started it and I wouldn't be surprised if he continues it in the next week. I mean, I think he understands that his players can be commodities right now. And the best part about when you have commodities is teams are going to want them and you, you want to get to them faster than you would you know, the other teams. So there's no reason to wait for the deadline. Rob Blake's in a selling position, and that puts him in a position to make moves quicker than teams in a buying position. So I would not be surprised there. What about the Avs? Uh, that might be a little bit beyond when we get out there because it's a diff- diff- totally different position. Yeah, I, I think they need to wait and see how things settle. We, you know, we talked about last week. You sold the Nashville Predators out. I you did. said they were all done. Yeah, they're right there, man. Just like I said, uh, I know. So they're coming right behind them. If one of those teams gets hot, Chicago or Nashville, they're going to have to do something. By the time we get out to Denver, will Alex Ovechkin have seven hundred goals? He'll have 710. <laughs> he has 12 goals in what? His 14 last? in the last six games. Yeah. yeah two hat tricks. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, 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 wish I, was, I wish I was that productive when I was in my late 30s. Oh, my goodness. Isn't it? I mean, look, I hope he doesn't because I'm going to get there Thursday and the Capitals are playing the Avalanche Thursday night at the Pepsi Center. I'm going to be there. We're going to have nine NHL.com. Uh, and we're going to write nine Alex Ovechkin <laughs> stories if he scores 700 goals that night. Oh, it's great theater. Yeah, it is great theater. Look, the numbers are incredible. The 700 goals, that's unbelievable. Eighth, he'll be the eighth player to do it. You know, 40 goals this season already. 11 40-goal seasons. One shy of Wayne Gretzky's record of 12. 11 40-goal seasons. John Tavares scored his 20th goal for the Maple Leafs last night. That's 11 20-goal seasons for John Tavares. That's really impressive. 11 40-goal seasons. He's on pace for 61 goals. Yeah. He last scored 61 goals, what, when he was 24 years old? He's 23. 30, 23. He's 34 now. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, he, he's one of those rare hockey players that gets better with yeah. age, I think. Yeah, so. and we're in the process of doing a debate on uh, for NHL.com. It'll come out eventually. Probably when he gets to 700th of who's the next one. I, I don't know that there will be. An, I don't think – or who's the next one in the league right now? I don't know that any of them are. 
Yeah, and and it's hard. Nobody thought that anybody would get close to Gretzky's record, and and Alex is going to give it a run. So you know, you could say records are untouchable until somebody special comes along and makes them not untouchable anymore. So I. I I don't know if there is a guy right now in the league. Some of the guys that you'd pick have been in the league a little too long and haven't produced enough. Um, Maybe with the way the offense has gone up, maybe it's somebody like the first round, the first pick from this draft. It's possible. Um, We'll see. You know, but I don't know. Anyway, there's a lot to look forward to. Lot, lots for us to talk about and write about, and we're looking forward to getting out to Colorado for the Stadium Series game. Sean, safe travels to you before. because you leave before me? Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I think if everything goes right, we're going to do spend a day with a cadet from uh, sunrise until dinner. Yeah, uh, embedded with a cadet hockey player and kind of see what their life's like. It's it's wild it's just different. from the itinerary I've been given. <laughs> so, um, looking forward to that, and then everything else that goes around with it, and and just looking at those mountains, man. Well, all right, well, definitely looking forward to it. That's it from us today. So until next week, I don't think Sean will be the co-host next week. Maybe somebody else will be in his chair. Enjoy the games.